this is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast. Today, we have the folks from Multitech on, which is exciting because as we've talked about on the podcast before, I love it when we can get people more on the supply side of the industry on. It just gives us such a bigger idea of what's happening in the whole industry. And so I'm excited to have these guys on. We've got a mix of new to the industry and veterans of the industry. We have got Jesse Huizar, CEO of Multitech, and we have Art Leon. He is the COO, and then John Cristani, who is working as a consultant for them right now. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. I think that most people in the industry have probably heard of multi-tech or dealt with multi-tech in the past and maybe without realizing it. So before we get too deep here, could you guys just kind of give me an overview of, of the company, what it is, what it does, and your, how you got involved with it? Sure, Megan. Uh, this is Art. So Multitech's been around since 1992. Basically, Multitech provides uh, factory OEM color-matched surface repair products to the bath and spa industry. We service every single major manufacturer across the United States, those which include big names as in Kohler, American Standard, Hydro Systems, Amarich. And we basically right now, we operate in the background. So this whole um, podcast and show coming up where we're going to be exhibiting is is sort of a uh, uh, coming to light party, so to speak. Yeah. So, so pretty uh, much if anyone has repaired an acrylic hot tub in the last, you know, 15 years, more than likely they got what they needed to do that from, from multi-tech, right? That is correct. Okay. How did you guys get involved with the company, Art and Jesse? Because you haven't been in the industry for, you know, I don't know. How, how long have you been in the industry, John? Oh, since 1985. Yeah, okay. 30, so, you guys, over 30 years. <laughs> so you guys are a little bit newer to the industry than, than John is, right? Absolutely. Art actually has been consulting and working with multi-tech arts. That's been um, the late 90s, correct? Uh, no, no, for, it, it was a little bit more fast forward. Was it? Okay. Looking at like uh, mid to late 2000s, around 2006, 2007. That's, uh, that's I, the same yeah. time as me then. Yeah. So you've been in the industry for a good 12 years or so, probably, at least tangentially. I, I think it was more on a, on a different um, level than what we're at right now. I, I was more so uh, hired to come in and, and help out with uh, redesigning the website, bringing multi-tech to the e-commerce platform. But I did work uh, hand in hand with the previous owner of the company for okay. a few years. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's the other piece of this, right? Is that the company has changed hands fairly recently, correct? Yes. We're coming up on two years. We actually picked okay. that up in November of 2019. Okay. Jesse, are you one of the, one of the owners then? Did you come in and, and purchase multi-tech then? Yes, I did. Yeah, okay. Art called me out of the blue. Um, Art um, and I have been friends for about 17 years now. We sort of grew up in the same area of California, South Bay Area, which is a beach city of Southern California. And him and I have always collaborated on the technology side of the world. I've worked for Microsoft, had my own tech business. Art's always consulted for the bigger players, IBM, so forth. 
And so Art called me out of the blue after um, I had just sold a commercial development, but I'm also a developer. And he said, hey, do you want to buy uh, Multitech? And I remember consulting also with Art, with Rob Close, when he was implementing a exchange server platform. So I knew Rob, and he actually tried to pitch me back then on investing in the Multitech. And I wanted nothing to do with the paint industry at that time, you know, owning a tech company. But nevertheless, um, it, it worked out well. You know, you fast forward now, and we're coming up on two years, growing the company by about 250%. So we're excited about the future. That's awesome. I kind of love that, you know, because you have people like Rob who start something and grow something, and they're really good at what they do. But then you bring in people who have different skills and really can take the company to that next level, right? It's like, look, we make a great product. We've got that part down. What we really need help with is the systems and the marketing and getting out to market and some new channels. And that's where it's kind of fun to see where kind of the next generation of ownership can can take a company. Absolutely. Yeah. Art has been uh, resourceful, more so on the technical aspects of multi-tech because he now understands the technology, the resins terminology, me, I'm still wet behind the ears as it pertains to this channel, which I'm learning something new every day, but, um, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of acronyms to keep track of. So you, oh, know, absolutely. you need a short list of all of the industry <laughs> acronyms to, to know, just, just let me know. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Yeah. At this point, it's like a new language to me, but I'm learning slowly, but surely. Yeah. yeah okay. It's a, lot, great. it's a lot easier than coding. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, I believe you a hundred percent. So, <laughs> uh, so John, how do you yeah. fit into this picture then? Well, I uh, started with DuPont. I'm a chemical engineer from Penn State and hired in right out of school. And DuPont in the mid '80s was developing a new spa coating sheet that was uh, impervious to chemicals, was thermoformable, something unique in the industry. And I was uh, the engineering project to develop a spa sheet that was both black and brown marble. We branded that under the Lucite brand and I developed it to travel to certain customers doing the technical service and then came on and picked up a sales territory and moved to Atlanta. My involvement with Multitech is prior to Jesse and Art, and I uh, found a need to have a repair kit company developed so that when repairs were needed, we would have a place to send customers. And we started probably in the early 90s working with the previous owner to develop Multitech as a company to go to. So you really come from the from the sheet side of, of the business with DuPont and then Lucite. And then, you know, I know Lucite has gone under a couple different, different owners at this point. I can't keep track of all of them. <laughs> and so, and so that's where your background was. It was in developing the acrylic sheet. That's correct. It was started with DuPont and the Lucite brand. We were sold to ICI, which was a company out of the UK. Their brand was Perspex. We went through some private equity. Mitsubishi then mm -hmm. eventually bought us. Uh, they had their brand. And then uh, two years ago, Plascolite had acquired the business. I worked for Plascolite until December of 2020, which okay. I retired and okay. started this company. All right. So you really stayed with the brand through the whole ownership transition and, and everything. You, you, stuck with, you stuck with hot tubs, even when your parent company has said no more. <laughs> Correct. I stuck with the, with the industry and with the product that I love so much. You know, I've, so I've been in a lot of hot tub manufacturing facilities the one place that I have not been able to go to yet that I would love to see is to see 
the sheets actually made. I feel like that's like, that's like the piece of my knowledge that I'm still missing that visual of how it comes, of how it comes together. So that's on my, that's on my list for, you know, post pandemic world is to, uh, is to get to see that process. Well, we can, we can make, I can help you get that arranged. The plants in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. And I put you in touch with my old predecessor and organization, and they'd love to take you through the plant. It operates Sweet. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's who you know, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I, I'm in the know. So it's, it sounds like John, like you were really around for some of the beginnings of the hot tub industry and some of our early kind of, you know, you talk about a, a black and brown marble, some of those early days of starting to, you know, get a fancy, shall we say? Yes. The, the original colors were very, in today's world, very bland, mm-hmm. uh, black marble, brown marble. And then we started expanding. We developed multitude of marbles. Uh, at some point we went into granites, which was small particle, we went into large particle granite, tricolors, pearlescence. We were in the forefront of developing the new color for the year. Not all were successful, but some were very highly successful. And we develop and continue to develop new colors uh, every year. I always like seeing what the new color of the year is going to be. And then I kind of, you know, guess whether or not I think it's going to last or not, depending on if I would put it in my backyard. (laughs) At the show this year in Dallas, you'll see the new color on exhibit. Uh, Yeah, no, it's exciting. Well, and it's got to be interesting right now when you're looking at, because yeah, you guys have a ton of colors that you've offered over the years and always are developing more colors and bringing in color experts and kind of do this whole process. That's really interesting, but Right now, with the way the supply chain is, kind of manufacturers have gotten it down to basically like you can order two colors right now, and that is marble, like silver and gray. <laughs> and it's kind of like that. That's it. That's all we can handle. We can't take all these custom orders, you know, or we can, but they're going to have to wait like two years to get it. So that's it's it's kind of interesting how we've worked so hard to have all this variety and all of these things that can kind of hit all of the needs of the consumer. And right now it's just, that's just kind of all gone out the window. It seems like. You're absolutely right. And it's because the manufacturers are limited in products. The spa manufacturers are limited in labor. They have the orders, no doubt. They just can't make enough product. Business is strong last year. It's even stronger this year, Mm -hmm. but there's no shortage of product that can be made because the demand is there and it's all attributed to the COVID. COVID is what's driving the business. And it'll be interesting to see as we move through this period of time, the supply chain and how we adapt going further because the orders are there. It's just manufacturing the product at this point in time. Yes, I, I know. I think I've said it on the podcast 20 times at this point, you know, we've never talked about the supply chain in the magazine or in any of our, of our content over the last, you know, 12 years. And then the last year and a half, it's all we talk about. So it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's been quite the learning experience and it's been really interesting. And some of those ways are good and some of them, some of them not so great. So Jesse and Art, what was the pandemic like for, for you guys and for multi-tech? Because, you know, I, I bought this business in 2018 and then um, had a baby and then had a pandemic. And so people are like, what's it like owning the business? How's it going? Do you like it? And it's just like, I have no idea. This has been like the craziest <laughs> three years of my life. And uh, what, what was that? What has that been like for you guys? Cause that's definitely not part of the business plan. When you buy a business it is a global shutdown. Absolutely. So I technically invested the company in November of 2019, which okay. is pre pandemic. 
you know, that's when, you know, the news out, you know, about Wuhan, China, nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. And obviously the pandemic was a difficult time for all of humanity, right? However, you know, we were lucky throughout the whole pandemic that we did not have to shut down and continue manufacturing for this last year and a half. Business has been really strong. Nevertheless, you know, going back to the previous point with John is the shortages in raw materials, you know, paint, resins have been extremely challenging. So, you know, the business itself had continued striving because, you know, I understand that spa and bath manufacturers had shortage of material, but in that regard, they had to reinvent the wheel and make do with what they had, which is, again, conducive to repairs, which were the expert in service repair. So therefore, we manufacture all the custom colors for these manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So as they're pumping these acrylic sheets out, they can no longer just salvage whatever you know they, they didn't need anymore was damaged. We had to come up with new technologies and collaborate with these manufacturers on implementing new technologies to streamline their manufacturing processes and make sure that we're able to service them. So, you know, the supply chain issues, you know, were prevalent. I'd say mostly in our regards for Q1, Q2 of last year. Okay. So therefore, you know, Art and I sharpened our pencils and we made the executive decision of purchasing about two years worth of inventory in advance. We just oh, said, wow. hey, let's just go and write the check. You know, it was quite the uh, gamble per se, because yeah. no really knew yeah. what was going on, you know, in the market, you know, but we just knew that, you know, Kohler was still manufacturing, mm -hmm. you know, Bullfrog. I mean, we just had purchase orders. I mean, we had a good problem. Definitely right. blessed, you know, in that regard, you know, yeah. as a small business, you know, as you had mentioned, you know, we didn't even know what we were doing the first year of business. We're like, well, number one, we're just trying to stay alive, right? Based off listening to what the CDC was saying one day, and then the next day they were saying something else. And, you know, you just said that you had a child, you know, I've got two young ones. So we're more worried about humanity mm -hmm. and taking care of ourselves, but then also trying to, you know, make this company grow and continue, you know, succeeding, you yeah. know, for our customers. Because if we stop manufacturing our repair material, their operations stop and it'll have a domino effect, obviously. It's a strange thing to kind of be on this side of it, right? Is that our industries are doing really well because of of the pandemic, whereas you know so many other people can't say that, and it's it's a little bit uncomfortable to talk about you know the good things that have come to you because of this, where you know that so many people are are suffering and having the opposite effect. But that is to say, you know, as an industry, we are still facing some really real challenges and some really difficult challenges. And, you know, and those are not anything to sneeze at either. And also, I think as we've all learned, the things that we're experiencing are on a global level and are impacting pretty much all industries. And so, you know, the more that we kind of understand what's going on in our little pocket, I think the more we understand just the challenges of living in our world at all right now. Absolutely. So let me ask you, how does it work with what you guys, with what you guys make and produce? So you talk about dealing with the manufacturers. And so what's it like? Are you guys, are they calling you up and saying, Hey, we got some sheet in it's, We've got some things we need to fix. Can you guys send us what we need? Or is it, Hey, we've got a call from a retailer that has this color and they need it to be repaired. Can you send them the kit? What, what does that normally, what does that normally look like for you guys? Who are you, who are you typically dealing with and what are they asking of you? This is art. Basically, what we do and what we've adapted to is keeping in contact with the acrylic sheet manufacturers and getting information from them on the new colors that are coming up, what's being developed, what is being retired. Our claim to fame has been over the years of having a very extensive library of acrylic sheet samples dating all the way back to the early 90s, late 80s. So we've kind of accommodated 
to the industry of the onesie twosie orders that have come in and say, hey, I have this lime green seafoam Kohler tub. Oh yeah, we have a sample, you know, we'll get it out to you. But what we've come to learn over the years or over these past, you know, almost two years is that we need to be more in sync with the acrylic sheet manufacturers so that, so that we stay lean and we can provide the best possible customer service as well as product to the end users. So as that goes, I mean, you have uh, retailers, you have showrooms, you have dealers, you have manufacturers, and sometimes they'll kind of all overlap, whereas they'll contact either the sheet manufacturer or the manufacturer of the, of the hot tub or the bath itself and ask them, hey, I, I need a repair kit. So then that entity will then either contact us direct and we'll drop ship to that dealer or showroom or even end user, a customer where they've had a spa delivered and it was damaged in transit. We're trying to streamline things now and getting all the retailers, showrooms, dealers, et cetera, to contact us directly so that we, it's part of that discovery process where we don't, we don't want to be in, in the background anymore, in the shadows. We want to be at the forefront and we want to be associated with surface repair. Whereas before, even though we've been around for so long, Mm -hmm. We'll say, well, you know, multi-tech, well, who's multi-tech products? I don't know, but it's funny because I'll give you an example. Let's say you were to go to Home Depot and you purchased a a Kohler bathtub and you spent $1,800. It's being installed in your home and and the contractor drops a tile in it, right? Mm -hmm. So you go back to Home Depot and you say, hey, I, I need some repair material for this. And they'll say, well, you can go on over there to the shelf and they've got white bone and biscuit. Okay, well, well, my color says you know, linen. Okay. Well, what does that match? Well, we don't know. So basically they'll call the uh, special order desk and then that'll bring them over to Kohler. And if you were to contact Kohler right now directly and say, Hey, I need a repair kit. They're going to tell you call multi-tech products. Yeah. So hence, this is sort of why throughout the years, multi-tech has never really exhibited at any of these shows or even, you know, spent any time with marketing because it would all end up through that pipeline, but we were trying to move in a different direction now. Yeah. I, I think probably everyone in this industry has dealt with you then in some, in some way, right? Everyone has had repairs that they've need to make, make over the years. And so whether they, they're calling you or they're calling, you know, the manufacturer, whether they're calling Plasco light, it kind of, it all gets, all gets to you eventually. It sounds like it does. But we'd we'd like, like I said, we'd like to streamline that process so that nothing is lost in translation. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, and it makes it makes sense too because also, you know, as everybody is is so crazy busy right now, and the manufacturers are all slammed, you know, why would you want to go through four steps to get what you need to make a repair versus one step and going straight to the company and saying, "Hey, this is what I need. Can you send it?" Great. Instead of having to go through you know, being sifted through a million other calls and requests that they're getting to get the one small thing that you need. It just, that makes, that makes a lot of sense, especially right now, just considering the the climate that we're in. I couldn't agree more. Well, and I'll give you one example, Megan, you have a contractor that's got a spa that he doesn't know the color, doesn't know the need. He's at a consumer's mm-hmm. yard he calls multi-tech directly rather than going through a chain of manufacturers, sheet vendors, multi-tech. He can call and he can get that product shipped right away so he can do the repair because he won't know until he arrives how bad is the surface defect. What's the color? Mm -hmm. The consumer may not even know the color. Well, the 
the service agent or the consumer for that matter has all the information, makes a direct call and has the product shipped out. That saves a lot of time from having to go through a multitude of steps to the dealer, then the manufacturer of the spa, then you manufacture the sheet. And that's what we're trying to do is, is open the communication to direct contacts. And I've had more than I'd like contractors and homeowners call me yeah. and try to describe, send me a picture, tell me what it is, here's who you call. And, mm-hmm. Being a sheet uh, account manager, numerous calls would come in on how do I repair this? Here's this technician, here's a company, here's a product. And it's such a service to provide because they don't know where to go. And it's an outstanding product globally because they are very unique in having the ability to make the product and match the color that nobody else can do. Why is that? Why is it that you guys are the only ones that can can do that? What makes... What makes multi-tech the one to go to for, for this? I guess I, you know, again, like I said, I haven't seen the sheet manufactured. And so I feel like there's this piece of my, of my knowledge that I'm missing. So can you, can you explain it to me? What does multi-tech bring? Multi-tech is closely tied to the sheet manufacturers, but they have an expertise in how the repair is to be done. So for matching the color, they need the sheet manufacturer for a color match. But as far as the technique, the application, even uh, recommending a service network, they're what bring the two together. Okay. And that's what's unique in what they have, a very simple process. And it's a color match so that the job can get done quickly. You can fill it, fill the tub and you can get back into enjoying it rather than being delayed and, and unheld. And, and they, they're very customer focused and and quick to allow the product to be shipped anywhere in the world. And that's unique that they're the only ones that I'm aware of. And they they have been for years that can do what they do. And to elaborate on that, Megan, you know, um, Rob Close, previous owner, unfortunately passed away a few years back. He was brilliant as it pertains to the actual technology that multi-tech uses. There are some competitors out in the market, but a lot of their safe fillers or resins don't hold up under high heat. They don't guarantee their products to where multi-tech not only has the exact color match because of our partnerships with the acrylic sheet manufacturers, spawn bath manufacturers, but we also have the technology. We have a polyfiller that will not dissipate under high heat can stand up with all of the chemicals in these spas. Mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of our claim to fame per se, when you compare the off the shelf manufacturers to multi-tech products. It's because of our history with the sheet manufacturers, which again, makes us strong, but additionally, I think Rob Close's legacy lives through Art and I because of the chemistry that he's created, which you know is patented on our side and you know we're expanding into different global markets. And it's just, it's a really strong, product, which, you know, it's obviously proven successful in the channel. And and from the technology of their product, if you think of the surface of a spa, there's hot, cold cycling, there's thermal expansion and contraction, there's chemical resistance, there's UV. There's a lot of interaction on the surface of a spa that requires a unique product. It's got a bond and it's got to withstand ultraviolet light. The chemicals that people use, whether it's body or aromatics in the, in mm-hmm. the water, it's hot, cold water, it's temperatures from Canada, which might be minus zero to the desert might be 120. And that, that repair along with the acrylic sheet has to move in unison. If it doesn't, there's a delamination that could pop out and it's got to be certain designs. So it knits 
and is stronger than the sheet itself. That's okay. the chemistry he's talking about. Got it. Right now, since there are the supply chain issues that everyone is dealing with, you're also kind of seeing just as a, as a trend, at least in the United States, the sort of like, now of course I can't think of what, it, what the name of it, but like not throwing things away, right? We're going to repair what we have versus just going out and buying something new where, you know, right now, if you have a hot tub that's old and maybe the only thing that's wrong with it is that it's a little dinged up. Yeah. It'd, it'd probably be a lot more efficient to fix that than it would be to try to get a new hot tub because that might be another 12 months before it shows up in your, in your backyard. So are you guys seeing an increase because of, of that sort of that I'm going to fix it versus buy something new, partly because it's like this trend towards being more efficient and environmentally friendly, but also because I can't go out and buy a new one, even if I wanted to. <laughs> Sorry, that was sort of a, a long and a long winded way to get out what I was trying to say. So if you followed that, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can I can address that, and and the issues that someone having to retrofit or fix a used spa are the same issues manufacturers are having. In that, parts are very difficult to find right now, and and the the lead time on parts, whether they're stuck in a container at the port of Los Angeles yeah. or Long Beach has the same effect for the original manufacturer it does for repair. And the original manufacturer is probably at a higher level of priority at this point. Mm -hmm. So parts are, are an extreme issue on trying to bring a product back from life. And labor, again, is a major issue. So I don't see a lot of retrofits or you know, used market products in that they're difficult to find the product, the, the replacement parts, the pumps, the, the motors, the electricals, the LEDs. And I have not seen that portion of the market develop because they're not getting the attention that the regular manufacturers are getting on parts. You know, I guess in my mind, I thought that with the with the shortages and with hot new hot tubs taking so long that there are this kind of be this rejuvenation of the used hot tub market but talking to dealers i'm hearing that that's not the case because they're more or less being priced out by people selling their own hot tubs on facebook <laughs> so <laughs> so if someone is selling their used hot tub on facebook for seven or eight thousand dollars the dealer is like i take them in on trade i refurbish them to make sure that they're in good shape and then I sell it to you and I'm, I'm losing money. Whereas you'll just go out and buy it from some guy on Facebook for that same price. So it's kind of interesting. Cause I thought maybe that we'd be seeing this new sort of market emerge, but uh, it sounds like it'd be pretty difficult to actually be able to, to make money in the used hot tub market right now, which is just so, so interesting. Art and I get engaged all the time by people that need to fix the cosmetic aspect of the right. repairs. But John has a very valid point because we do get engaged by certain technicians out in the market that say, hey, I want to start this business. I want to go buy a lot of 100 used spas. Nevertheless, as, our, as John had conveyed, you know, there are the shortages of the pumps, the LEDs, and all the components that we can't even get our hands on. And obviously, the big manufacturers are the ones that get first dibs on these products throughout the channel. So that's probably the holdup. On yeah. the expansion of the specific vertical. Yeah. So it's not, so it's not the holdup isn't multi-tech. You guys can get them the product that they need. And the holdup is all the other things that you need to keep the hot tub running and nice and clean. <laughs> Absolutely. You just actually had a little light out of my, my head. Maybe John, you can help me. We can start showing the LEDs and all the stuff direct from overseas. <laughs> a lot of those products are in the port right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're not yeah. made domestically. The one, mm. the one thing I will say about the sheet manufacturers is they are 
domestic products, but mm -hmm. a lot of the pumps and the LEDs, the fittings are made overseas and, and are brought in and, and held up in port at this point, as well as the products going out of, out of the country. Yeah. So when you have an oil spill in Long Beach and people, products held up into that port, it just uh, exasperates the issue of getting a product like a hot tub, which may only need a pump or may only right. need an LED, but you, you don't have a finished product. So you're on hold until they arrive. Sidings, whatever the product might be. It's like yes. building a car, but not having tires, you know? Yeah. Uh, that, I, uh, and that's the issue we're seeing right now. Yeah. Well, and you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Bullfrog a little while ago, and I will link to it in our show notes, but the Wall Street Journal did this fascinating article um, about all the things that it takes to make one Bullfrog in particular hot tub. And it showed where everything, all the parts and components where everything came from all over the world and talked mm -hmm. about the different challenges they were having with getting each little, each little piece. And, you know, some of it's like, yes, the port's backed up, but some of it was, yeah, our supplier that's, you know, two states away had a fire and for, for, you know, for two weeks, we couldn't get this thing. So it was, it was really interesting to see all the little things that go into making this one thing that we put in our backyard and how, you know, just for this one manufacturer, every product and every piece was impacted in some way by some of these supply chain shortages. And it was, I'm going to link to it because I thought it was so interesting. If you're in the industry, you've probably already seen it and you've probably already heard me talk about it, but here it is again, because it was, it was a real eye opener for me. So when you guys look at the industry as a whole, you kind of have a different perspective on how things are going and, and what's going on. What have you seen as far as growth and what have you seen maybe as, as changes over the last year and all of this craziness that we've been experiencing? Let me, let me address that for you, Megan. What, going back to say January of 2020, where COVID was just announced in China, we in the U.S. weren't really aware of what was going on. The industry in Q1 of 2020 was flat at best versus our expectation. It was, it was okay, running about on par, maybe a little bit below. But once we realized COVID hit the U.S. around mid-March, mm -hmm. everything came to a grinding halt. No one could travel. Production was shut down. All the spa manufacturers other than maybe one or two, completely stopped operation. Our, mm -hmm. our plant, which ran 24-7, continued to run, but inventories were being were building up, so we started slowing down because the industry slowed down. 30 days later, after people were told, you know, the consumer was said, uh, you, you couldn't travel, you can't go to Disney, you can't go anywhere, the families that were told to stay at home, the kids were not going to school, were trying to figure out, what do I do with that $10,000 I wanted to go on a cruise with, or I can't leave the country, or I can't go to Disney. The first thing that came to their mind was, I have to stay home, I have, want a backyard experience, I'm going to get a hot tub, because I can enjoy it in my privacy, I can do it with my family. And in 30 days from mid-March to maybe uh, June 1, orders started going through the roof. And at that point, it was catch as catch can. Manufacturers were starting to figure out COVID restrictions and what they could do. And it was production as fast as you can. And so yeah. for nine months of the year, it was run, everyone was running as hard and as fast as they could to the point where when 2020 ended, the market on the units produced were up about 15% over the prior year. And only because they couldn't get the labor, they couldn't turn right. around quick enough. Yeah. Now in 2021, we're still in that same COVID restrictions, things have eaten up a little bit better, 
but orders were backed up from last year into this year. Manufacturers are held back because they can't get the labor or the parts. We anticipate the market being up on manufactured units that can be produced about 30%, which is in 2021, you're looking at 150,000 more units will be produced this year versus last year. And That's crazy. It's, the orders they're taking today are to be produced next year because of the, they don't have, they can't, they're, they're limited in how many units they can produce. So the real dilemma is going to be when COVID starts slowing down and people start traveling again and using that disposable income for something else, that'll tell how the market's going to rebound. But for now, I think everyone is busy. Everyone is I don't want to say sold out, but they're not taking any orders for delivery anytime soon. Yes. And all this, the manufacturers, the components are being held back. Unfortunately, raw material prices are going up too. COVID guidelines, COVID costs, raw materials in general, oil are starting to go up. But this year is, is you know, if you look at this year, it will probably be one of the best years since 2008, 2009. And, and we're looking at last year, about half a million units produced. You're probably up a 650,000 hot tubs produced uh, in the globe yeah. for this year. It's really exciting. Yeah. And like you said, since 2008, 2009, since the recession, I mean, the industry has, has clawed its way back and it's definitely, you know, 2019 was a good year for the hot tub industry. And then now these 2020 and 2021 numbers have just kind of blown that out of the mm. water. So you were in the industry before the recession, I was not. And so I, is this better than sales were then, or is it on par with some of those? Cause people talk to me about the heyday of the industry. And I, I, I started in 2008. I have never seen the heyday to me. This is the heyday of the industry. So how does it compare to going like pre-recession numbers? When you look at the 08, 09, 010, the consumer was really pulling money out of their homes. Housing market was going through the roof. They were withdrawing right. money from their houses and spending it on units. And, and then the housing bubble burst. Here, the market today, people have the money. It's right. not a matter of you know, pulling money out and then walking away from a house. People have the money. The mar stock market's very strong. Unemployment's very low and consumers want to spend money. And I think this is probably what I would consider a better heyday than the 08. From a numbers unit, we're up as high as ever. And there's no end in sight at this point. We're only limited by how many units everyone, the bullfrogs, the that they can make. Um, and they're, they can only make so many a day. Right. But the orders ex, ex, far exceed what they can produce at this point. I think the economy is strong. I think the market's strong. I think consumers are employed with, I think that's much better now than the heyday of the, when the housing bubble in the 08, 09 forced people to take money out and then just walk away from there. So I, right. I like the market we are in today. People are paying their bills. People are on time. It's, it's good. I think things are good right now. I keep talking about how our floor has been raised, you know, where we used to like, this was the lowest amount of hot tubs that we were going to sell in a year. And now that number is gone, has gone up. And so, you know, maybe we're not going to see the crazy numbers that we've seen in, in 2021 every single year going forward. But I also don't think we're going to see the lows that we saw either right before that. I think we're, I think we've definitely just kind of raised up the whole industry, hopefully uh, going forward. Well, along those two lines where there's a lot more global exposure on the product. Yes. When we see business at this level, 
a lot of it's word of mouth and, mm -hmm. and my neighbor sees my hot tub. I want one like that. As the numbers grow and the exposure grows, like we're doing at shows in Dallas, like we'll do next year in Lyon. Mm -hmm. We are promoting the product as something that you need to have in your backyard as part of the backyard experience. So yes, I think we're going to see maybe not at the percentages of growth, but I will see, I would expect substantial growth year in, year out based on the, the marketing and the, the, the supply chain and everything that we have going this year to constantly improve. Well, and I think what I love too, is that you're seeing a lot of younger consumers enter the hot tub market earlier than they would have otherwise. Right. Cause I think, you know, one of our concerns for the, for the industry going forward was you know, our, our customer had always been the baby boomers, right? So what was going to happen when they stopped buying hot tubs? And now you're starting to see younger families who are interested in hot tubs. And I think that's great because yeah, you know, if my kids are playing in a hot tub in our backyard and our friends come over and they're like, oh my gosh, this seems like a lifesaver. Um, it's a lot quicker and faster and cheaper than a pool that still gets the kids out of my hair for a couple hours a day. Everyone said, I mean, just like, please uh, give me, give me that. So I think, you know, I think, I think that's really exciting that we're starting to see that, you know, younger and younger people coming into the market and hopefully loving and enjoying our products and telling all of their friends. Well, and one product that has just come out in the last few years is a swim spa. Oh, I know. Which, which yeah. has grown double digits versus the portable uh, yeah. hot tubs. And it's a matter of having the right space, but it's also a matter of plugging it in, filling it up. And it's, it's usable immediately. Put it on a pad of concrete. You don't need to dig. And I think that segment is going to continue to grow for people that want exercise, which is the millenniums. And, and that has been a outstanding new growth product for a 15, 17, 19 foot, 25 foot mm -hmm. combination swim spa hot tub. And, and um, we see that only growing much. The numbers are smaller, but growing at a much faster pace yes. for that very reason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I have not talked to anybody who is not uh, bullish on the, on the swim spa market right now. Everyone is really excited about the growth they've seen in swim spas over the last couple of years. And especially through the pandemic, it's, it's been pretty, it's pretty exciting. Very exciting. Very exciting. Okay. Tell me about what goes into actually repairing a hot tub, repairing the acrylic. I have, I have no idea what this is like. I've never seen it done. And so can you talk me through what this is like. And, you know, you talk about homeowners getting in touch with you guys to, to get your products, to try to do it themselves. Is this a DIY repair or do you really want someone who's, who's specialized to do it and do it right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I like to do things myself, but it's not always the best idea. This is art. It all depends on the individual. Some people are very critical. Uh, obviously, if you're spending thousands of dollars on a unit, you want it to be pristine. In answer to your question, Megan, we do have DIY products for spa and bath it'll be much more noticeable on a spa especially if you know you're working with a, a marble mm -hmm. or a uh, pearl color we do have diy for granite repair as well but we we tend to give the advice that if if you're doing a spa repair it's best to uh, hire a professional to go ahead and do that and it also depends on the on the type of repair that they're doing different uh damage that can occur on on the uh, surface of an acrylic spa you can have cracks you can have blistering delamination um, it also depends on whether the damage has gone all the way through the uh, fiberglass backing so there's there's different steps involved within that so but they all come to fruition with um, having to utilize 
the right products, the right technology that will withstand, you know, that environment, chemicals, heat, you know, constantly being underwater as well. We also have what we call our Repair Pro Network. So a lot of times people will contact us and dealers, individuals, showrooms, and they'll say, hey, do you have somebody out here in, you know, Colorado in a, in a certain, you know, city or whatnot? And we'll go through our network and, and uh, more so than not, we'll have somebody that's within driving distance. Uh, it might be a couple of hours, <laughs> but um, if we don't, then what we do offer is, and what we've started to offer is um, online training. So it could be done through video conference or we, where we could guide somebody who's, let's say, uh, you know, your handyman type, your contractor, who we could, you know, really basically guide them through the repair. Now, when it comes to recreating some of these marbleized effects and whatnot, it, it does take an artistic hand to do something of, of that sort, because there is some technique involved with it. And we do have um, a training video that we um, offer to be able to follow through. And it, and it goes through the process of repairing all kinds of different types of damage to the acrylic spa, as well as the different um, colors involved. So it sounds like, you, like well, I mean, like you said, it kind of depends on what you need. So if you have like a 20 year old spa that has a scratch, maybe you just go ahead and do it yourself because at this point it's not gonna, you know, you're probably not gonna make it look worse. But for those people who, like you said, who have a, a newer spa that maybe was damaged in the process of shipping or installation, mm-hmm. you would want a professional and that dealer would want a professional, you know, even if they don't have someone on their staff, they would want to find someone who, who knows how to do this and has done it before to come out and repair it. So it looks as close to new as it possibly can. You know, and with that said, I think that it would really benefit the dealers and the retailers to invest in having someone on staff Mm -hmm. that could train, that could either, if they're local, they could come by our facility and train, or they can opt in for the uh, virtual training as well. Because then you have somebody there who's able to assess, Mm -hmm. you know, the damage and react in real time, instead of having to, oh my God, I have to go out and I have to find somebody who's able to do this. And let's say the closest person is like, you know, six, seven, eight hours away. Now you're paying for transit, hotel, you know, everything else. But of course, you know, it has to be done. Well, sure. I mean, it's like, uh, I got my car fixed about this time last year and I took it in and the guy's like, Hey, can you bring it back tomorrow? Cause our guy who's good at the power steering isn't here today. And he's the one that you want to be fixing this, you know? And I, I, and I think it's, it's gotta be the same for hot tubs, right? Like you have the guys who are better at at working on the packs. You have the guys who are probably better at working on the plumbing. And for sure, you've got to have that person in your, in your repair team, who is probably going to be the one that's best at doing acrylic. And so, yeah, invest in that person, making sure they have all the skills and the tools that they need to do the best possible job. Who would have thought? <laughs> Definitely. It, it, it is a, um, a very unique technical skill and there's not very many of them out there yeah. that are, that are skilled in doing those types of repairs, but we're working on that. So especially since um, now we are in the process of expanding into Europe and one of the hurdles that the Europeans face is that there's even a bigger shortage over there of technicians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we talk about the labor shortage and how hard it is to hire people, how hard it is to hire, especially hourly workers right now. And so, yeah, when you find someone who is skilled, I would say 
train them as much as possible, make them feel as valuable as possible and, and keep them as long as you, as long as you can, because it seems like once those people are gone, they are incredibly difficult to replace. I couldn't agree more. Well, is there anything that we haven't touched on about multi-tech or just what you guys are seeing in the industry right now that we need to, that we need to cover anything that I, I missed that's important. Like I said, this is, I feel like an area where I don't have the strongest knowledge base. So this is Jesse here. Art, you had touched on our expansion into Europe. We're currently about to sign contracts with a French distributor, which we have conducted several virtual trainings because we actually had to implement that platform during COVID because you couldn't, as John has previously conveyed, you couldn't just jump on a flight and go train somebody or yeah, fix, definitely you know, not an over- assembly line of spas. Yeah. Definitely not overseas. They weren't, they weren't yeah. letting us in. That's for sure. Exactly. So we had to get creative. It probably isn't the, wasn't the best option, but it was the only one we had at the time. And we found that, you know, we're, we're testing their aptitude and, we will send them damaged sheets. They will send them back and say, wow, you're at 98%. Your Delta E is there. You're spot on. This technician is good. Send him out to the field. Let's get him going and so forth. So we're looking to, we're currently, we've expanded to Hungary, France, UK. We have different partnerships. We're trying to build strategic partnerships. On that note, you know, our strategy is to completely expand the international market because Europe Asia, Africa, Latin America, they're in dire need of our products. You wouldn't know how many calls we get on a daily basis from manufacturers or showrooms stating, hey, you know, we've got eight tubs here. We were advised by, you know, say we've been mentioning Bullfrog. We have Bullfrog conveying that you guys have the exact color match. How do we get your product? And because our products are high VOC, hazmat, there are a lot of restrictions, a lot of red tape okay. as it pertains to global markets. You know, sure, you've got yeah. different customs issues. So, you know, going back to my point, you know, I was, you know, I, I also developed, so I'm building custom homes in Baja, California. So I made a lot of government con- um, contacts there. And with those resources, we have now established a hub in Mexico, which because of the previous, it was previously called NAFTA. Now it's USMCA. It's the agreement between Canada, Mexico, right. US, which you probably know about. So after we've done enough research on that, we figured, hey, you know what? We can stay in the U.S., continue manufacturing here, but utilize Mexico as our hub to procure it into different parts of the world. And it's been working like clockwork so far, luckily, you know, because the agreements that U.S. has would say Europe are a lot different than the ones say next Latin America has. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. And I think hot tub manufacturers especially have got to love to hear that because because they're all expanding into Europe and into, into Asia and into the, the Middle East and South America. Like those are all the markets that are emerging for them that they're trying to get mm-hmm. into. And yeah, it, the, the parts issue and the repair issue is the same over there as it is over here. You need those specialized people and those products, which I didn't even think about. But yeah, of course, it's harder to get those things into, into Europe than it is into North America. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, luckily because of our strategic partnerships on a global level that we're establishing, you know, it's, um, it's going the direction that we planned. I mean, it's taken quite a while because you probably know labor shortages, logistics are running extremely slow at this point. You know, I feel like I'm dealing with snail mail at this point. Yeah. You know, but it's because you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We really are at this point, but you know, we're excited, you know, on this global expansion. I mean, we have a lot of positive feedback from our strategic partnership plans and the way they're being implemented. And eventually once everything opens back up, I told Art we'll be acquiring a lot of flight miles in the next coming years because we need to go see these guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's so, it's kind of 
one thing that I think is really neat about the hot tub industry is that it is one of the few things that is still pretty much made in America, right? I mean, there are manufacturers in Asia, there are manufacturers in, in Europe, and those are definitely growing, but most of the hot tubs that are made and sold across the world are made here in the United States, which I, you cannot say that about very many products anymore. And I just think it's, I think it's kind of an interesting thing. I think it's a cool thing about our industry is that instead of things coming from out there and coming in here, it's one of the, it's one of the rare instances where we're making it here and then sending it out into the world. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I mean, we've got a pretty big customer by the name of Wellis out yes. of Hungary mm-hmm. and they are just growing as well. They're one of our biggest customers and, you know, just understanding the European market has been a learning curve for us, but you know, they're in dire need of our material, you know, additional hot tubs as these spas and bathhouses, things that, you know, Russia and, you know, the the Nordic region, especially is exploding. So, you know, we're saying, well, how do we strategically get in there? And we've just hit so many roadblocks here from the U S so like, well, where do we set up? Do we set up in the UK? Do we set up in Africa? Do we set up in Mexico? And Luckily, the uh, Mexican expansion, the the expansion to Mexico has been worked out quite well for us so far. No, that's great to hear. Let me expand a little bit about your comment about a North American product. If you look at the global production of hot tubs, over 70% of that global production comes from North America. It's a vast market here as Mm -hmm. far as the manufacturing, but it's a global product used everywhere. The the 70% in North America is the U.S. and Canada. The balance is mostly Asia, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So it truly is a North American product um, and continues to be that way. But Europe is growing. Asia mm-hmm. is obviously growing. But by far and away, the manufacturing is done here, but the demand is global. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't who doesn't want to get into a hot tub after, after a hard day? <laughs> So you you guys talked mentioned a couple of times about about going to Dallas. So you are going to be at the at the upcoming trade show in Dallas, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, sorry, correct. everyone everyone put themselves on mute, and then I asked a question, <laughs> yeah. a, a yes or no question. Yes, um, <laughs> yeah. we will be there. You know, you're talking about Europe. Are you thinking about maybe going to the international show in Lyon next year? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I so I have never been to that show and I am going to try to make it this um this next coming year and I'm very excited because you talk about understanding the European market and I've just heard some crazy things about that show and about how different things are and how the hot tub world is a completely different ball game over there and so I'm really excited to to get to go and do that hopefully. Fingers crossed. Well, Megan, I've been to the Leon show. It is unbelievable the way they handle their show. I'm excited Multitech is going. I think it's it's excellent exposure for them on a global basis. The, the Leon show is as big, if not bigger, than the show you'll see in Dallas or Vegas with not only the Asian manufacturers, but all the large North American manufacturers yes. are there with their European counterparts. The culture is outstanding. The food is outstanding. Yes. Uh, and Lyon is a wonderful place. So yeah, well, and I've heard they just have you know like an open bar all day long, just for the whole show. So I mean, this really sounds like my kind of vibe. <laughs> it, it's, a, it is very European in nature, not only from the wine, but the food is beyond compare. It's and, yeah. and Lyon's a wonderful city. I highly recommend. All right. Well, so that is what I've heard from everyone who has been there. They're basically like, you're an idiot to not go. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm putting it on the calendar. I'm going to do what I can. So, and you guys will be there, you know, hopefully we can, we can hang out. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. 
Okay. So I know that I sent over the spa retailer five for you guys to answer that since there, since there are three of you, we may need to, to bounce around, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask them our, our spa retailer five and you guys, I don't know. You just like raise your hand or quick fire. Whoever answers the first, I guess gets it. Are you ready for this part? Go. Okay. Okay. All right. So do you remember the first spa product or sale or customer that you ever had in the hot tub industry? Yes. 1986. I had developed the first black marble, sold it to a company in Florida by the name of Rec Warehouse Leisure Manufacturing. Yep. And I was single and so excited that that was my first order. Uh, that that was the first marble sheet that I'd ever sold. That's awesome. The first sale, everybody remembers their first sale. I feel like it's, there's just this rush and rush and relief, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So how about your first, how about your first real, real job? First W2 job that you got, was it, were you flipping burgers at McDonald's or what, what was that for you guys? You know, I was, uh, started working at 16 as a bus boy. Okay. And um, worked my way up to, by the time I was uh, 17 and a half, because I legally couldn't serve alcohol, um, I was waiting tables, but it just really taught me a lot about people, different personalities, opened up my eyes at such a young age that I think adaptability is key in anything that you do in life. You know, so, um, yeah, that was my first job. It was exciting. I just, I don't want to jump off on a tangent here, Megan, but Art and I have been working quite closely with Lowe's since we picked up the company. I have some old contacts from my old tech company. And um, I just want to elaborate and maybe, you know, um, let you know that we actually just signed a private label deal with Lowe's for all of our DIY products, a lot of repair material, which we eventually will probably be announcing in Dallas. But um, that's going to be the vertical that's going to take care of all of the um, home DIY repairs. And then we're going to focus more on the manufacturing and enterprise levels. Yeah, that makes sense. You know that. No, that makes sense. I mean, I can't imagine you guys want to be fielding calls from individual (laughs) DIYers saying, well, it's kind of blue and swirly, but it's got a little (laughs) bit of this white sparkle in it. (laughs) Exactly. That's about, I don't know, Art, what would you say? Maybe 11, 12 hours of our day. And those 15 minutes are for everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's great. I was in Lowe's today, spent way more time in there than I intended and way more money. So, you know, that's, that's, that's fantastic. That's the norm. It's a fun store. Yeah, Great people sure. to work with. Great people to work with. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. So what would you say has been the best idea or product or biggest game changer that you've brought to your, to your business, whether that's to multi-tech or to a past business, or, you know, it could be, it could be anything. I like to hear about what some of those successes have been. I mean, there's several on my end. I mean, starting for Working for Microsoft right out of college, you know, I expanded to my own tech company, so my own software consulting business, got into business, helped Trader Joe's grow from 85 stores to 475 stores nationally. And so that was a big success. But one of the hardest parts was having to sell that software business because, you know, after working with somebody for 17 years, they almost become family, right? You spend more time with them than you do your family. Yeah. So, you know, selling that company during the, you know, the cloud-based technology implementation was one of the hardest things, but you know, what I've learned from owning my own tech company, bringing that over to multi-tech has been one of our biggest successes. We're working on our own e-commerce platform. We're integrating with Amazon, eBay, things that multi-tech never did. Mm-hmm. So both Art and I's um, technology background, implementing them with multi-tech has allowed us to have rapid growth in the last two years. And as we take this on an international level, I think 
technology is going to be key in our expansion. No, I think that's, I think that's great. Like I said before, it's, it's interesting when you see people come from outside the industry and kind of get to see a different, a different take on it. So that's great. All right. So I'm going to make all of you guys answer this one. I need your favorite Uh book or TV show or podcast or movie. You know, what are you, what do you enjoy reading or watching or, or, or listening to? I finally, finally have started reading the e-myth. It's, you know, the business book that I've probably heard about most in my career talking to small business owners. So I'm finally reading it guys. Um, it's, it's making my, it's making my list. So what are some of your favorites? Well, this is John. I, I am a romantic at heart <laughs> and I have a favorite movie it is a 1942 romantic drama starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, Claude Rains, Peter Laurie, Casablanca. Oh, that's my good. all-time favorite. <sighs> it's and a really, really good movie, that. John. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good choice right there. That's that's my favorite of of all the genres and all of that is Sydney Green Street. I could go on and on. I've watched it a million times. Casablanca, that. that's mine. I love that. I play piano. And so one of the sheet music I have out there is as time goes by. I mean, that's just it's just fantastic. Priceless. Priceless and and you know, sit and watch it with the kids. They just think it's great. So that's my, that's my pick. All right. That's an oldie, but a goodie, John. I yes. will, I will uh, give my stamp of approval to that one. <laughs> I can name one movie. I don't, I don't know if uh, I'm pretty sure everyone's seen it. And I just saw it uh, last week with uh, one of my sons who's 15. It's called Monty Python. And, and it's so funny because he, he gets the jokes that are in there. I didn't think that he would. And he's just sitting there just cracking up the whole time. Mel Brooks. I love Mel Brooks movies, um, but I'd have to say, yeah, Monty Python is has to be one of my all-time favorites. That's pretty, that's pretty great. I'm actually embarrassed to say that I have not seen Monty Python, which I think is probably just a real failure on my part. <laughs> um, but no, that's pretty, that's pretty great that he can enjoy it at, as a 15-year-old today. Oh yeah, it, there's this one scene where they're riding and there's no horses, but they're just like simulating that they're riding on horses and he he got it. He didn't sit back and say, well, "Where are the horses at?" He just you know, he saw the scene and he just like he said that's that's brilliant the way that they filmed it. So I love it. You got to check it out. It's All right. I'll, it's I'll really put it funny. I'll put it on my list, my my long list. This is one of the reasons why I asked this question is <laughs> that I want to know what I should be watching or reading next and then but then my list is too long to to keep up with. So <laughs> All right, Jesse, you've got to you've got to end it here on a strong on a strong note. All right, I'm just gonna go through one, two, three. Let's see here. I don't watch much television, but you know anything that pertains to artificial intelligence, okay. new technologies, just blows my mind. Got it. More fictional, more fictional, hopefully, and not fictional. The podcast that I just recently saw was Real Estate and Financial Independence by uh, Chad Johnson. And that was very interesting, just maybe because I've been developing for the last couple of years. Yeah. And then my all-time favorite is pretty easy for me was Legends of the Fall. It's not that old, but it's pretty old. But one of my favorite movies, just because uh, after I watched the movie, I had to read the book. So it's one of my all-time favorite books, but uh, Legends of the Fall definitely is one of my favorite. I love it. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It is hard to coordinate with this many people. And so thank you for, for sticking with me and finding a time that we could all, all get together. Um, it was nice to, it was nice to meet you all and have you on the podcast and we will be seeing you in Dallas and hopefully Absolutely. our small retailer podcast listeners will stop by and say hi too. Great. Thanks a, thanks a lot, Megan. Really enjoyed thank it. Thank you, Megan. 
Thank All you. Right. Yes, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. And just so that everybody knows, we're at booth 1704. There you go. That's impressive. I do not know our booth number. So good on you for pu pulling that one out because I can never remember what it is. <laughs> it's because you're changing it on us on a weekly basis. That's why. <laughs> uh, you said it. <laughs> I had looking, to. Forward, looking forward to seeing you and meeting right. you at the show, Megan. Thanks, Thank guys. you, Megan. Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.